0: Please stay tuned after this episode for a special message. The story you are about to hear is based on eyewitness testimony and evidence collected before, during, and after an actual paranormal investigation. In some instances, the names and locations have been changed to protect the identities of persons involved. Forget We've all experienced a dream that seems too real, a room that seems too dark, a presence when we know we're alone. We exist in a world of many realities, where the impossible is probable and the unknown can be known. This is the realm of the weird. In the summer of 1999, I'd rented out a small office in Southfield, Michigan. I had decided to spend the summer conducting a series of tests with psychics and mediums from around the state. I took out ads in local newspapers for people who believed themselves to be psychically inclined, and also put together a control group of non-psychics. The tests I proposed were loosely based on the precognitive remote perception studies, which were carried out from 1976 to 79 under the auspices of the University of Chicago and Princeton University. After two weeks had passed and I had conducted almost 75 different test sessions with over two dozen self-proclaimed psychics, I found myself becoming more and more interested in a single psychic named Daniel Humphrey. What interested me the most about this gentleman was twofold. One, I had never met him, and two, the other psychics I had been testing kept telling me he was the best, most accurate, and powerful psychic they knew. One of the difficulties I was running into with meeting Daniel was that no one knew how to contact him. He showed up randomly at psychic fairs or coffee shops where he would do readings. He was spoken of so highly by one of the psychics that I had been dealing with that at the end of her test session she admitted to me that she had been faking some of her psychic abilities. She told me that Daniel was the real deal and that she felt guilty for taking my tests when she knew for sure that a real psychic was out there. I asked her and every other test subject who knew Daniel to try and get me in touch with him. A week went by, then another. My tests were starting to wind up and I had resolved myself to never meeting this mysterious psychic named Daniel. A few days before the lease on my office was up, I stopped at a donut shop to grab some coffee and plan how and where I would be moving all of my office equipment. As I stood in line, an older man came in. He walked straight up to me, much to my shock and surprise. He immediately introduced himself to me as Daniel Humphreys. Still without my morning coffee and somewhat bewildered, I immediately flooded him with questions. How did he know who I was, where I was? My mind was racing. He chuckled and explained in a most casual manner that not only had he been told by friends that I was looking for him, but that he had recognized me due to the fact that he had attended one of my lectures the previous year. Still though, I asked him how did you find me here? That, he explained, was a coincidence. He had been walking to the location of my office, which had been given to him by a friend, and had simply stopped to get a donut and some coffee. When he saw me, he recognized me, and that was that. There was some commotion behind the counter, so I asked if he would like to sit outside and talk. Of course, he said, that's why I was coming to see you. As we casually chit-chatted, I couldn't help but think that Daniel looked in no way how I had imagined him. He was tall, about 6'1", very thin, unshaven, almost completely bald, and dressed in what seemed to be the clothing of someone without a home. His smile and voice were delightful, but his dark brown eyes held behind them a certain unmistakable sadness. Eventually, our conversation turned to the subjects I had hoped to discuss. And I felt no need to cushion them in any way. So, I said, everyone tells me you're a gifted psychic. He leaned back and smiled. I guess sometimes, he said, and continued. It's not an all the time thing, not the knowing stuff. That comes and goes. It's not really when you ever want or need it either. It's like flashes of knowing. So, I interrupted. If I tested you, you might not be able to do anything. He smiled again. Yep, it comes and goes, the knowing. I was so intrigued, I said, So you were coming to see me even though you knew you might not be able to do anything that could prove you're psychic? Yes, he answered. He figured that, with all the people I was testing, some fake, some not, that I might as well test him too. I agreed and asked him if he'd like a ride back to my office. No thanks, he said smiling. I walked, you drove, let's keep it that way. I'm not afraid to admit that although Daniel was personable and seemed kind, sometimes what he said and how he said it made me feel uncomfortable. Daniel showed up at my office about 20 minutes later. I thanked him for taking the time to come and help me with my test, and I told him I'd like to do a brief interview but he insisted on getting right to the examinations. After almost two hours, Daniel looked drained and seemed anxious for the tests to be over. From what I had seen, Daniel had done average on about all of the tests. I said nothing to him about the results, and indeed until after he left, I wouldn't know for sure exactly how good or bad he had scored. I asked if I could interview him before he left, and he agreed. I pulled out my tape recorder and set up my microphone. Daniel smiled at me. That isn't going to work, he said. Finally, a prediction, I said back to him. I put the cassette in the recorder, and it didn't work. Told you, Daniel said. Did you really know, I asked him. Knowing is a different thing, he said. I've always had problems with machines and electricity, batteries and such. How do you mean, I asked. I've got an influence on them, he said, seeming increasingly restless. Like at the donut shop today when I came in and the register stopped working. It's why I didn't want to ride with you. I was bewildered. I didn't know what to say. I reached into my filing cabinet and took out my spare tape recorder. He looked at me and told me he was getting tired. I hooked up the microphone and started the recorder. This time, it worked. Why does this recorder work, I asked. I don't know, he said, sounding melancholy. Over the next 20 minutes, I learned about Daniel's life, its highs and lows and mostly it was Lowe's. He said he used his abilities at one time to get the girl of his dreams, but after a few years, she left him and their daughter. He said he had used his abilities to get him a nice car and a good home for him and his daughter, but because of his influence, the car that he bought was always breaking down, and I learned that Daniel's daughter had died many years ago in a fire, and that Daniel blamed himself. He said that he was the reason the smoke alarms didn't go off that it was his influence i stopped the tape recorder and tried to console daniel as much as possible he thanked me and wrote down a telephone number where he said he could be reached and he left i didn't know what to think so i finished looking over his test results they were all average over the next week i packed up my office and started to prepare for my typical october lecture season I tried to call Daniel three times the first two times no one answered the third time the phone was out of service the operator told me that the number had been for a payphone located in Detroit I didn't know if I had been a part of something strange or something just strangely sad going back through all of the test results and interviews when I got to Daniel's tape I realized that perhaps it had been something stranger than I thought this one seems to be working. So, Daniel, why does this one work and the other one doesn't work? Um, if you were to. And then can you uh, state for me, like, um, just maybe, where did you grow up? How did you uh, first determine or think that you were psychic? In all of the almost 20 minutes of the interview that I conducted with Daniel, his voice is only heard on the tape for those brief few seconds after my first question and turning on the recorder. Over the years, I did run into Daniel a few more times. Our meetings were always brief, and each time I saw him, he looked a little frailer and sadder. I found out a few years ago that he had passed away from cancer, Are there humans gifted with powers who influence the world around us? I don't know, but I like to believe that it's the humans around us who are the wonderful gift that we receive from the realm of the weird. Hello, everybody. John Tenney here. Thanks for listening to Realm of the Weird, and and thanks for sticking around to listen to this special message. First and foremost, I'd like to apologize for the lateness of this episode, but it seems that this episode may not be concluded. As in saying that, I'd just like to point out the fact that this episode was actually first recorded about a month ago, But it was unfinished because I was looking for the actual recording of the interview that I did with the psychic that I talked about in this episode. And uh, I had to dig through a lot of files and boxes to try and find it. So it kind of sat and I didn't do anything with it. And then finally I realized I wanted to do this episode. So I found the box, tracked it down, and I found the cassette tape. Uh, I had to transfer it to digital, so the first thing that happened was was when I played this tape in my normal tape recorder that I have, which is relatively new, it's only about a year old, um, it started to eat the tape, so I immediately stopped, and I I had to get another tape recorder, found another tape recorder, bought one new, and uh, got the tape to transfer over, and when I transferred it over, the laptop I was using at the time, the screen blew out on it, right? So... I was getting a little freaked out at the potential weirdness that this file was causing or the story or the person involved with the story or the influence of the person in the story. Um, So I finally got it transferred onto a flash drive and put it in the laptop that I normally use to record episodes, which ended up crashing, which I had to take to get repaired. So a, a few days were going by. I was getting a little freaked out because there were all of these weird electronical events happening. In regard to this case specifically, um, and things kept piling up. At the time of this recording, I'm talking to you now. I have tried to upload this episode via different FTP, different people's Wi Fi connections at different locations more than two dozen times, and it fails every single time. I will continue to keep trying. Um, I, I assume that eventually I'll be able to get it posted. But what I've become fascinated with the amount of electrical weirdness and disturbances involved with this case is now that you've listened to this episode, now that it's kind of out into the ether during the episode or while you're listening to the episode right afterward or right before, did something strange uh, dealing with electronics happen to you? And if it did, I would love for you to email me, john at weirdlectures.com, or send me a message through Facebook, facebook, facebook.com slash weirdlectures, and let me know if the influence of this gentleman is continuing, continuing on to this day. Thank you so much for listening, and have a wonderful day, a wonderful evening, and a wonderful life in a very weird world.